Hello, hello. Ooh, you guys can hear me. Thank you, Alex. That was a um, really encouraging story. I'm uh, excited to hear about how Jesus has really transformed your life and how you're taking good steps in that direction. Um, so hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us this Thursday at Challenge. We're excited to have you. In case you don't know me, my name is Ian Fitzpatrick. I gosh, graduated from USC about four and a half years ago. Um, I graduated with a degree in architecture. Since then, I have worked, uh, or I'm working full-time in architecture, part-time with Christian Challenge. Um, and about a year and a half ago, I married Jenna Fitzpatrick, who's sitting over here. Um, so that's also what I've been up to in the last four and a half years. Um, to start off this semester, we have been going through a series on different ways to connect and interact with God's word. And the five that we have chosen to look at are based off of Dawson Trotman's The Hand illustration. Um, you know, two weeks ago, we heard from Jeremy. He spoke on, uh, on the hearing the word and some different ways that we can begin to prepare ourselves to hear and receive of the word. And he has a lot of really good points and tips. Um, last week, we heard from Aaron. She was talking about reading God's word and how we should try and make it a habit to read God's word and becoming people that love and submit to the Bible. Today, I have the privilege of talking to you about studying God's word, um, which I would say is really to read it slowly and to dig into it to, in detail to understand it. And next week, we will continue looking at memorizing. Um, Memorizing God's word is an um, incredible practice with tons of benefits. And then the week after that, we will be closing with meditating on God's word, which I really feel like is kind of the culmination of all these as we begin to hear and read and study and memorize. It allows us to be saturated in God's word so that we are thinking about it and dwelling on it throughout the day. Um, so with that, I'm going to um, pray for us real quick, and we'll dig into it. Uh, Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for the gift of your word. God, thank you that we can know you through it and that you are alive and active, transforming us through your word. So God, would you help us to have ears to hear? Would you help us to have uh, just humble hearts to receive what you have for us tonight? Um, yeah, help us to grow in Christ-likeness. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, so this may not be true for all of you, but I know for me, I feel like I kind of went through the five um, parts of the hand in order. Um, I kind of started off hearing, and then I got into reading, then got into studying, and then um, memorizing, then meditating. Um, and I remember when I first started going to church to hear God's word, it was like my sophomore year of high school. I didn't grow up as a little kid going to church um, really at all. Um, and, you know, when I was a sophomore, there were a couple guys who, they were my friends, and I really admired them and looked up to them. They started inviting me around, and I was kind of that guy that came, like, once a month, um, maybe once every, like, two months. Um, but either way, I began to hear God's word, and he really started to take hold of my heart. By the time I was a senior, I was probably going to church on Sundays, maybe every other week, sometimes multiple weeks in a row. Um, and at that point, I was also um, 
going to the occasional, I think it was a Wednesday night youth group where we were reading the word together and trying to understand it. Um, so you know, at this point, I'm hearing the word and I'm reading the word. And by then, you know, it was enough that I had come to understand the gospel. Um, it was enough that I understood that I was in need of God's forgiveness and I was in need of God's direction. Um, it was enough for me to understand that there was an opportunity for me to have a renewed relationship with God, that in many ways I was in trouble. I had fallen short. I had sinned. Um, but despite my sin, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died to us. And through faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I could have a chance to be made New. So halfway through my senior year of high school, I decided to put my faith in Christ and become a Christian. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, I knew I was in need of God's forgiveness. I also knew I was in need of God's direction. You know, God did not save me just so that I could continue in my old ways, but He saved me so that I could be transformed into the image of His Son. And you know, between this kind of point in the middle of my senior year and college, you know, I, I really tried. <laughs> um, I tried to become who God wanted me to be, and I started to make little bits of progress, um, but not much progress. Um, you know, I knew some, some general things. I knew, like, oh, I should be kind. You know, I should, I should be patient. Um, I should be slow to anger. It's kind of hard. Um, <laughs> Um, but you know, I, had really, I had really little clear direction, and my knowledge of God was really shallow. Um, but I had the thirst to grow, and some of these questions started coming to my mind. I'd ask myself, man, if my sin is really evil, if it, if it is something that had separated me from God, I need to learn how to do that less, or not at all. Um, you know, I'd think, if Christ has purchased me, by the price of his life, I belong to him. I am not my own. Like, who does God want me to be? What does God want me to be about? Um, and who did God make me to become? The author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The apostle John, who lived with Jesus for three years, and records Jesus speaking about his own words. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The Apostle Paul writes in his first letter to the church of Corinth, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So where do you guys think I began to find the answers to these questions I was asking myself? When the thoughts came into my head of, gosh, who does God want me to be? What does he want me to be about? You know, we see that God spoke to us through, to, or God spoke to our ancestors through prophets. 
We have that in the Bible. It says that in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. And his son said that the words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. And we also have this in the Bible. And last, the letters of the apostles, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, we also can find in the scriptures. We've heard this verse before, I think, every week of the semester, but I think we should hear it again. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I continued to ask myself these questions as I came into college. But in college, something changed. I started to see and understand in greater depth who God is. I started to see my life how he did. I started to see and feel his desires. I started to see how he poured into and in, uh, impacted every part of my life. I went from having a small transformation in high school to having a dramatic transformation in college. Now, I'm sure that there are a handful of different things contributing to this, but I do think that the most significant part was that I began to study the Word of God. I spent time in it daily. I spent time in it alone, time in it in a group. I talked to my peers about it. I talked to mentors about it. I wrestled with it. I dug into it, and I fell in love with God. He's awesome. Uh, and to this day, I'm continuing to grow, to see my life as he does, to see the world as he does, and to fall deeper and deeper in love and in obedience to him. So I want to take a sec to um, take a closer look at some, um, not, not all, but some, of these specific things that God did in my life, which I am confident God will do in your life through the study of his word. Um, coming back to Hebrews, in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirits, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is living and active. What does that mean, living and active? The word of God is moving. It is at work. It is transforming, drawing, and convicting the hearts of mankind. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow. Those are difficult things to separate. Soul and spirit, not only is the word of God moving, it is moving powerfully. It is strong. The word of God discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The thoughts and intentions of the heart. I don't know about you guys, but that's, that can be like kind of scary sometimes because, you know, even if I'm doing all the right things, I'm, peer, I'm appearing golden on the outside, sometimes the intentions and the thoughts of my heart between you and me are pretty ugly. <laughs> the Jewish prophet Jeremiah warns us in Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? 
Who can understand it? It is deceitful. It is more deceitful than all, all else. You can see here that God's word can understand it. And through that, I can understand it. Solomon advises us in Proverbs 4.23 to keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the spring of life. Studying scripture teaches us how to view ourselves. It helps us to understand our hearts. It peels open the deceitfulness of our hearts to be exposed to the transforming light of Christ. And without the guidance of scripture, who can understand their own heart? So first, studying scripture teaches us how to view ourselves through the discerning, its discerning of our heart. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How is our mind transformed? How do we discern the will of God? Through his word. He has given it to us that we may know what is right and what is wrong. That we might see and understand what we should do or what we shouldn't do. You know, this call to renew our mind is serious. It starts with, do not be conformed to this world. This world is trying to get us to fit into its pattern. There are so many things trying to win our attention, win our thoughts and our perspectives from the world. It could be social media or um, it could be the university. It could be family. It could be film, politics, a friend, professor. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. With all these things fighting for our attention, it will take more than church on Sundays. It will take more than the verse of the day on the Bible app or occasionally opening up the scriptures. Renewing our mind will take diligent, regular, committed, focused reading and studying of his word. Scripture teaches us how to view the world. The more we know his word, the more we will be able to look at the world, to look at our circumstances, and to see God's desires to see God's perspectives, to see what is right, to see what we ought to do, to see the will of God. Scripture warns us um, through Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 5, 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, um, continuing in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, Paul writes, in reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This particular promise is related to the book of Ephesians, but I think it stands true to Scripture as a whole. Through his word, we have insight into the mystery of Christ, the mystery that was withheld for generations from the Jews awaiting their Messiah, knowing that they were in need of a Savior, in need of reconciliation to God, but they, they did not know through who or when. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, 
whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. The mystery has been revealed. Clarity as to how God showed his love for us and how he has offered reconciliation to us through his son. And understanding the mystery of Christ, understanding God's ministry of reconciliation, scripture teaches us how to view God. Jesus also said in the book of John, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The mystery is no longer a mystery. God is a mystery. Um, God is not a mystery to those who know him. So what I began to find in college and what I still experience today is that studying God's word will teach you, teach us how to view ourselves through scripture's discernment of our hearts. I learned studying scripture teaches us how to view the world through its renewal of our mind, and studying scripture teaches us how to view God through its insight into the mystery of Christ. And when I got to college, I had mentors who taught me how to study the Bible, came alongside me in the process. I did not immediately understand what to do or where to start. You know, the Bible, it's, it's a huge book, um, and it can be kind of an intimidating book sometimes. Um, and so I wanted to share with you my process on different ways that have been helpful for me to uh, study God's word. You know, and this is just a method that I've found helpful. It's not the only way, um, and it's probably not even the best way, um, but it's helped me a lot, and so I want to share with you guys. So first off, when we approach God's word, we should start by praying. Um, but what should we pray for? We should pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit to guide us, and we need his help. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The spirit is given to help us understand, so ask for his help. I think we should ask for wisdom to hear what God wants. James, the brother of Jesus, tells us in James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. There are all kinds of things God is trying to, to communicate to us through his word. Often as I'm studying scripture, it may be a message of hope or encouragement. Sometimes it's rebuke or conviction or help or motivation. Um, and sometimes we're going to be tempted to read what we want to hear and not necessarily what he desires for us to hear. So we should ask for wisdom to hear what God wants. I think next we should ask for a humble heart. In that same letter, James tells us, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So if we had just asked for wisdom to hear what God wants, we ought to ask for humble hearts that we may accept what he wants to tell us. And lastly, I think we should ask for a focused mind. 
a heart and mind without distraction. There's a lot of stuff that's fighting for, attention, fighting for our attention, as we kind of talked about earlier. Um, and when we come before God, we shouldn't be thinking about our to-do list or that TV show that we watched last night or that homework assignment that is due in a couple days or whatever fun plans we have over the weekend. We should fight for and ask for focus to look at his word. So we should pray for guidance from the Holy Spirit, wisdom to see what God wants, humble hearts to accept his word, and a focused mind. After we pray, we should, um, or I often engage with the scriptures through observation, trying to see and identify what is in the text, gathering information, and trying to do so kind of before I start to do any analysis or interpretation. One of the first things I'll look at is what's the context? Um, it can be really easy to take a verse out of context, and so it's helpful to know who is writing this. Who was the original audience? When was this written? What type of writing is this? You know, this could be a record of history, or maybe it's narrative, or prophecy, poetry, um, parable, proverb, letter of instruction. There's all sorts of different writing in scripture. Um, and what came before this? You know, is this a portion of, um, it's in the middle of a book, or is this right at the beginning? You know, these will all help us in understanding how to interpret it. So after I understand the context, um, I find it helpful to read through an entire passage before starting to really pick it apart. And after I read it once, I will read it again. Um, and after that, I'll, I'll read it again. Um, I really want to make sure I'm comfortable with the text, that I'm familiar with it um, at a larger scale before digging into it um, bit by bit. And you know, as you're reading, if there's a word that stands out to you that you're not familiar with, um, I encourage you to just look it up. Like you have a dictionary on your phone. Um, you know, if you're reading Psalm 1, it's probably the only time you're going to hear someone talking about chaff. <laughs> so if there's a word you don't know, look it up. Um, OK, the third thing I'll do is I'll, um, after reading and kind of becoming familiar with the text at a large scale, is I'll start to make a list. Um, you know, what do I mean when I say make a list? Um, I think there's a couple different things that can be helpful. One of the first things I'll do is I'll go through and I'll list all the verbs. Like, what is every single thing that someone is doing? You know, who's doing it? Is, is it something that I'm called to do? Is um, something the author is doing, the audience is doing, something God's doing, something we shouldn't be doing? Um, another thing I find helpful, helpful is I'll go through and I'll look for repeated words or phrases. Often, um, if there's a significant point an author's trying to make, they'll likely list it multiple times. Um, one of my favorite tools uh, after these, which many of you have, may have heard before, but I think it's a really good place to um, identify observations as well as applications, is to go through the SPEC acronym. Um, so to hit that, um, the S is sin to avoid. You know, are there any warnings here? There are things to not do. Are there bad examples? The B is promise to claim. Does God promise to do anything in this passage or say he will do something? The E is example to follow. Um, this is more common in narrative and record of history. Um, but you know, does someone do something that is admirable or something that I should try and emulate? 
The C is command to obey. Is there something in the passage for us to follow? Is there a positive action to replace with, um, to be, to replace a negative action? Um, and the K is knowledge to transform. Now, I remember when someone told me this acronym for the first time, the K kind of confused me because I was like, this is God's word, is not everything knowledge to transform? Um, and yes, everything is knowledge to transform. But I found I still found this helpful after going through all those other ones. There's still often some perspectives and truths that don't fall into any of those categories. Um, so knowledge to transform. Uh, you know, there are a lot of different methods for observing, but these are some of the ones that I most frequently use. Um, you know, and at this point, you've um, hopefully understand the context. You've read and reread. You've made observations. And um, you have enough of an understanding at a whole that we can start to do some analysis. Um, so when I look to, or next, I would say, <laughs> we'll analyze the scripture. Um, a good place I like to start is by asking questions. I think being a good question asker um, and having the patience to sit through a text long enough to ask a lot of questions and think and pray through them is one of the best skills you can have when studying the Bible. Um, I can kind of give a brief example and sort of um, go back through um, the SPEC acronym. You know, let's say I identified some sins to avoid. I can start to ask questions like, what was tempting this person to make this poor decision? Am I tempted in a similar way? What perspective was this person believing that led him to this bad decision? Um, what kind of circumstance was this person in? How should they have responded differently in this situation? And how would I have responded in this situation? You know, let's say I have a handful of promises to claim in a passage. I can start to ask, what kind of promise is this? Is this a conditional promise? Um, is this bearing on me, having done something prior? Is this promise something that God wants me to be asking for in my life? Um, is this something that I should be remembering throughout my day? You know, if you look at example, examples to follow, um, I may ask, how would I have reacted if I was in this situation? Um, or if this is a big decision, let's say, or a big triumph, um, what was this person doing to prepare themselves to strengthen their faith for this big decision. Um, or I may ask, you know, what perspective did this person have about himself or about God while making this decision? You know, maybe I have some commands to obey. Um, you know, we could ask, why does God want me to do this? Um, every command, God has a reason he's asking me to do that. Um, or what will I have to sacrifice to do this? Or what will make this command difficult for me to follow? Um, and then, you know, knowledge transform. You know, what is this truth communicating? Or I, I could ask, you know, is this a perspective I already have? Or is this in conflict with the current perspective of mine? Um, or I could ask, you know, if I remembered this throughout the day, how would this impact my actions and attitude? You know, I just wanted to give a, a kind of a quick example about how when we go through a text and, you know, list these observations, that's really just the starting point. Like, we can spend a long time thinking through all of those and really 
sinking ourselves into the text, putting ourselves in the shoes of the people who are there. Um, I think there's a lot through just asking questions that God can communicate to us. So after I do this, I will start to identify some key phrases. Um, so what do I mean by this? Um, you know, often in different passages, um, especially longer ones, you know, I will read through it and group the verses together in similar topics. You know, and in some books, maybe it's every two or three verses. Like there's frequent kind of subject changes. Maybe in some texts it's much longer, like you're grouping you know, five to ten verses together. Um, and for each section, I'll start to ask a couple questions like, what is the author trying to communicate here? Or why is this metaphor used? Or why is, that, why is this word used? Why didn't he use this word instead? Um, or like, what is, why did God include this in Scripture? Um, as I think about these questions, I will try and pick out kind of the main point or the main idea that each section is trying to communicate. Um, and I'll often try and pick three to five words from the text that I think, okay, this is sort of the highlight here, this is the highlight here, this is the or key phrase here, so that as I go back and look, I can see, oh, this is the kind of chronology of how this is written or of what God's trying to communicate. Um, so after I do this, I think it's really important to cross-reference. Um, and that's actually one of the main reasons why I go through the, like the key phrase um, step is because it makes finding cross-references um, much easier. You know, and, and I think um, the reason why we should look for cross-references is because Scripture will not contradict Scripture. There's one message, there's one thing it's trying to communicate. Um, and so when we cross-reference those key phrases, it should hopefully be a process of verification that, oh, yes, the conclusion I came to is correct because I'm now seeing it in these other passages. Or maybe, oh, that conclusion I came to is not correct because it is not in line with these other passages. Or maybe I just had a hard time understanding this in general, and so before I even come to any conclusion, I want to say, okay, let me go through and read all these cross-references so I can understand and come to a conclusion. Um, a couple different ways to do this. Um, I think one of the best ways is through scripture memory. Um, it's kind of like the automatic cross-reference. <laughs> As you're reading, verses will just pop into your head of, oh, yeah, like I know it talks about this in this section. I know it talks about this in this section. Um, so stick around next week to hear more about scripture memory. Um, but I think another um, tool that I use a lot is Bible search engines. Um, I think there's a really good one that's um, BibleGateway.com. Um, I do find that the, um, the internet or the, in the web browser works better than the app. For some reason, the app doesn't work as well in my experience. Um, but I will literally take each key phrase and I'll put it in the search, and it'll give me a list of every verse that has those words in it. And I'll then look and study those passages as I'm comparing. Um, so yeah, um, as we are doing analysis, I have a couple tips, a couple things that I think will help in the process. Um, and I kind of already mentioned one, and that first one is that we should understand scripture by scripture. You know, if God's word is our basis for truth, we shouldn't let other things come in 
and influence our understanding about it, that it should be by Scripture, um, that we understand Scripture. The second is that we should understand the unclear by the clear. Um, there are some parts of Scripture that are pretty straightforward. And there are other parts that are extraordinarily complicated and very difficult to understand. And so it is unwise to come to a conclusion from that unclear section and then use that conclusion to influence how I'm understanding this very clear section. <laughs> we should do the opposite. We should understand what is clear and use that to help us understand the unclear. Uh, the third thing is I think you should study alone and in groups. Um, studying alone, you really have the opportunity to go at your own pace and to you know, go slow and really listen carefully for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And in a group, um, different people come together with different experiences and different knowledge, different expertise, different understandings, and it can help us to consider something we may, may not normally have thought of and come to a better conclusion together. Um, fourth, I think it'd be helpful to read a few different translations. Um, often when I'm studying scripture, something will stand out to me and go, oh, that's kind of that's odd. Um, and I'll find that picking a couple of different translations and reading, and reading through them will collectively give me a more accurate picture of what the original text was. Um, some translations I'd recommend are the ESV, the NASB, and the NIV are some of the ones I go, the typical three that I will read, is ESV, NASB, and NIV. Um, uh, the fifth is, it's okay to say that you don't know. You know, there are, there are people that spend their entire lives devoted to studying God's word. And I would be shocked if anyone other than Christ came to the full grasp of understanding of the Bible. And so I think it can be okay to say, I'm not sure what this means for the time. Um, and lastly, I think you should talk to people older and wiser than you. You know, God has put people in your life who have studied this book longer, who are more familiar with it, and are wiser, and so we should take advantage of them. Okay, after prayer and observation and analysis, it's time to move on to application. Um, honestly, I think that analysis and application, they're kind of inseparable because as we're analyzing God's word, you know, we do not want to be only hearers of his word. We want to be doers. And so hopefully we're constantly asking questions like, what does this mean for me? How should I think differently? How should I live differently? How should I make decisions differently because of this? Um, and so when I'm coming to apply, often it's going through what I had just done and trying to pick, okay, what's the one thing that I want to start doing differently? Um, so a couple, I think there's a couple questions I'd encourage you guys to ask when setting applications. The first is, is there a perspective that I need to change. You know, as I go through and I'm looking at the key phrases identify, I identified, or I'm going through and looking at some of the knowledge to transform or promises to claim that I had identified. Um, you know, is there, is there something that I need to remember? Or is there something I need to have a perspective change or attitude change? For this type of application, um, I find that picking a verse to memorize is really helpful. Maybe I just need to have this, like God's word, in my head on this subject. 
Um, sometimes I'll pick an application like I need to. Re I should read through and pray through this verse every day, or I should every day ask for God to change my perspective or change my heart or change my attitude towards a specific thing. Um, so, second question I'll, I may ask is: Is there an action or pattern that needs to change? You know, when we were going through and identified sin to avoid, was there something where you thought, "Oh yikes"? <laughs> That's me. <laughs> or an example to follow where you thought, wow, I wish I could be like that. Um, or a command where you thought, you know, that sounds like it would take a lot for me to sacrifice to do that. You know, if that's the case, I'd try and pick something to take a step in that direction. Maybe it's not a gigantic step. Maybe it's just a small step for today. And that kind of leads me to my last question, is, which is, what's one thing that you can do to take a step forward? today. It's so common for me when I'm studying uh, scripture to come to the end of a passage and have like 25 different things I want to do. And I've been that guy that tries to do 25 different things, and I do none of them because I'm trying to do 25 different things. Um, and so just pick one. Just pick one that for today, or one for this week, or one for this month, I'm going to focus on changing this perspective, or changing this pattern, or action. Okay, so let's, let's review a bit. Um, what I began to find in college and what I still experience today is that studying God's word will teach you how to view uh, yourself, typo, um, through scripture's discernment of our hearts. Studying scripture will teach us how to view the world through its renewal of our minds, and it will teach us how to view God through scripture's insight into the mystery of Christ. And we can begin to study God's word through praying, observation, analysis, and applying. You know, God has given us his word that we may know him, and that, we may, that we may be transformed into the people that he made us to be. This book has had more of an impact on my life than anything else. So don't wait. And in the words of the Apostle Paul, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Just imagine the type of people that we would be. Imagine the love and the obedience that we would have toward Christ if we studied the scriptures diligently and gave them the attention and reverence that they deserve. So with that, I will welcome the band up and pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for the gift of your word. God, thank you that we can know you and walk with you and be reconciled to you through the understanding that we get from it. Um, God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, that he came to this earth, um, lived a life without sin, and died for us to pay the penalty for our sin. Um, so Lord, help us to leave from here transformed and help us to become people that love your word and learn to love you through it. In Jesus' name, amen.